This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set a private fantasy contest with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free, and when you're there, put a referral code BRAND13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3, to tell them that I sent you, or BRAND9, B-R-A-N-D-9. That'll tell them that Jay Arnold sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, Jay and I discuss Jimmy Lake being out of Washington, Manny Diaz possibly being out at Miami, a week 11 recap. We play this or that with college football programs going into next year, a week 12 review, and we end the episode with our top 10s. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. I'm your host, Jake Myers. With me again, Jay Arnold. And we have some news before we get into the recap. There is a little bit of news um, coming out of the college football ward yesterday. Uh, First, Jimmy Lake is out at Washington. Uh, Looking at Jimmy Lake last year, he went three and one uh, COVID year. They had COVID problems. Uh, Pac-12 was riddled with issues. So they went three and one last year. And now this year they are four and five, three and three in the conference. And it's, it's just not, it doesn't look like it's working out for Jimmy Lake and Washington for a plethora of different reasons. Um, Jay, what do you think about the whole thing? Do you think they doing the right choice here or do you think Jimmy Lake deserved another another year I mean I think you can make the argument that he deserved another year but I think it was also pretty clear that it wasn't working mm-hmm. uh, there was just such a disconnect I mean you had the comments about recruiting I mean you mm-hmm. had the the issue with the player uh, obviously I mean I, I don't understand why Washington suspended him if they were just gonna fire him the next week anyway mm-hmm. maybe they were trying to get all their paperwork in order but uh I think it was pretty clear uh, this season from the start that uh, Jimmy Lake wasn't going to be the guy going forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think with the early signing day and everything that goes on with recruiting now, uh, you kind of have pressure to make those moves uh, maybe sooner than you normally would. Uh, So I I really don't blame Washington for going ahead and moving on. Yeah, like here's the thing. I'm a Jimmy Lake fan. I I liked – the higher initially, but like you said, it wasn't working and I don't necessarily believe it had all to do with on the field product. I think there's a lot of things off the field. Um, like you were saying, the recruiting comments, you know, taking shots at Oregon, 
Um, he already fired his offensive coordinator, which again, I think was a mistake. Number one for hiring John Donovan in the first place. Um, I think he's a good guy, but uh, everywhere he's gone, he's been, he's been fired because the offenses are just look inept, but I don't know if, if it's not working as a um, in-house, I guess, like not just on the field stuff, then I guess it's, I guess it's okay to move on if it's not working. You, you got to like where you're at. You got to like the head coach you have. Um, so we'll see. I think Jimmy, I think he'll get a job somewhere, but it's just one of those things where it just wasn't a good fit from the start. Um, the next order of business. So Miami fired their athletic director. It, are many Diaz's days numbered at Miami? Well, I think they're definitely numbered. Uh, I mean, this is another one where, I mean, it, it could also just be Miami as a program is done, but mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't see any way that Manny can can keep his job for much longer. I mean, even if he survives through the end of this season, I, I don't see him turning around this program next season and keeping his job. Uh, and I think with the athletic director out, I mean, that's a vote of confidence gone. So mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami moves on from Manny Diaz soon, though I don't know who the hell decide to replace him with. Uh, I mean, yeah, we talked about it last week. The state of Florida football programs right now is just uh, not good. No. Uh, including Florida trying to lose to Samford last weekend. That was wild trying to keep up with that game. <laughs> um, so – I don't know. So I, I have Manny Diaz's record right now. He has uh, was he four and five this year. His first year at Miami, he went six and seven, lost in the Independence Bowl, um, and then in twenty twenty last year, he did go eight and three. And I think you know eight and three finished twenty second in the country. You kind of feel like okay, things are improving at least. You know, at least you're ranked. Granted, they only played an ACC schedule. Uh, for the majority of the year. So you didn't really have any, you didn't have anything, anyone in the the non-conference to kind of judge them by, but I don't know. I Miami's Miami's weird because early two thousands with the, you made their comeback. I think a lot of people in the university, like the higher ups, the administration did not like um, the, the road the football team was going down just because the U was back. And for them, that meant a lot of negative too, as well as a lot of positive for the football program being good. And I just don't think they want to be recognized as just a football school. And I don't believe they're truly investing in that football program because of that. So I don't believe it's fully a Manny D it's not fully Manny Diaz's fault. I don't think he's helping and maybe the athletic director change. Maybe they'll give Diaz another year and say, Oh, Hey, you know, you have to win at least nine games next year or you're gone. Or they might just say, screw it. We're just going to tear everything down and we're just going to start fresh clean slate at the end of this season. But I don't know. I guess the one thing you can say about Miami's football program is they're in better shape than Florida international is. Florida. <laughs> I don't know if you saw uh, yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they, um, they just had to let go of uh, Butch Davis and uh, 
they also were apparently buying used equipment from Mississippi State because the program wouldn't give them more money to get equipment. Uh, so that that's uh, that's FIU. Yeah, that's FIU. So that's a look into the state of Florida pro- programs, like we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not Florida programs. It's just not good right now. No. Um, UCF, like even UCF, like I mean, they're good. They're okay. Yeah. Gus Malzahn has it. It's it's okay, but man, and, but okay is the best that the, the state has to offer right now. Yeah, really. I mean, it's USF is USF is bad. Central Florida is okay. Florida is a mess. Um, Miami's a not, mess. Miami's a mess. Florida State, even though they just won the 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 war canoe, they're not. They're in a bad way. Not good for Florida football fans all the way around. Um, so Jay, let's get into a little bit of a week eleven recap. Do you want to start off and talk about your Aggies? Yeah, I mean we can talk about it. Uh, you know, it, they had a chance to really uh, put a stamp on the season to really prove that uh, they had turned around since Mississippi State and Arkansas. And the offense reverted back to the production that we saw against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I think the defense still looks great. I mean, you know, they allowed 13 points for to, to Ole Miss. And then uh, there at the end of the game, Calzada has a couple picks. One that sets Ole Miss up with a short field. One that's a pick six. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the defense gave up a lot of yards, but they, they didn't break. You know, they were, they were holding Ole Miss to field goals. Uh, and really kept the team in that game. Uh, but, you know, the offense just still has a lot to work on. Uh, and not all of it was on Calzada. Uh, I think, honestly, Jimbo Fisher could have brought a little get better game plan in there, especially once Devon A. Shane started kind of taking over the game in the second half. Uh, I really think they should have gone to him more. Uh, that last drive, I think there's seven minutes left in the game, and you have a chance to really eat the clock and drive down the field and instead of – uh, trying to just run the ball, you, you have three straight passes and you punt the ball right back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of things that were a little bit questionable. I actually think Lane Kiffin had some questionable calls going for it as well that kind of helped the Aggies hang around in that game. But uh, that's who Lane Kiffin is as a coach. He's always going to be balls to the walls, aggressive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was frustrating because I think AM, uh, it was, it was a tale of two halves, really. And then in the second half, it was a tale of two quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you saw what that defense is capable of. Uh, but unfortunately, no help from the offense. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss was a better team. Credit to them uh, Saturday night. Yeah, it just – I mean, it just – watching it, and I and I got back just in time to, to watch uh, the majority of the game. But Ole Miss was up 15 nothing in the second and it just it just felt like it was a lot more than 15 just because Texas A&M offensively just could not they couldn't sustain anything and Ole Miss credit to Ole Miss's defense uh we've seen them play decent we've seen them play terrible and they they looked up to the task um I mean listen uh, Texas A&M's offense uh, we said last week it was looking like they were turning a corner and it's a tough environment but you know, it was you know, Ole Miss is a quality football team. I mean, that that's that's not a bad loss. 
that that's one of those games you look at in the beginning of the year um, and you think, okay, that's going to be a coin flip type of game. Yeah. Um, you know, you lost on the road. It, it happens. Yep. Uh, and I mean, again, like this is a loss that I kind of expected even after the Alabama win. I mean, mm-hmm. I predicting losing uh, the end of the season, AM finishing the year nine and three with the lost Ole Miss. So I'm, I'm not like, it's not like I'm super surprised about it. I just, uh, I think there was definitely an opportunity for AM to win that game and they just weren't mm-hmm. able to take advantage. Yep. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I'll talk about the Lions. I'm going to try and keep this as short as possible because sometimes I, I like to ramble about it. Um, defense showed up. Defense showed up. They held on for as long as they could. Um, Penn State's offense just could not finish drives. I think the big thing, if you look at this, is Michigan was in the red zone twice against Penn State. They scored touchdowns both times. Penn State was in Michigan territory. I believe it was five times. They were in the red zone four times. And they had three field goals, a fake field goal that went nowhere. And, uh, yeah. So you settle for – oh, and a touchdown on top of it. So you had five. So we're in the red zone five times, three field goals, um, the missed fake, and then you get a touchdown. Um, you know, you tie the game in the fourth quarter and you are out of it. You're down eight. You tie the game. Um, you force a sack, strip sack. Now you have the ball on Michigan's 15 tie game, settle for another field goal. Yep. Um, Michigan starts driving a little bit. Again, Penn State's defense was on the field a lot. And they great play call by Michigan where – They knew Penn State was in man-to-man coverage. Uh, It was a trips close set. The the trip side goes all the way across, drags drags all those receivers to one one end of the field, backside drag, tight end. Um, Two Penn State players hit each other. The guy, he's brick alls wide open. And then it was a foot race down the sidelines that he won. Um, And then that's how the game ended, 20-17. to Listen, Michigan is a – Michigan is a quality team. Okay, they've shown that this year that they are a quality team. Um, but Penn State just inventing new ways to lose. Um, and you go in, defense looked great again, but that offensive line is just so bad. Uh, Sean Clifford was sacked seven times. I mean, that, that can't happen. Um, people behind me yelling, about how why don't we run any elaborate why don't we run any routes over 10 yards because you can't protect long enough yeah you know like why do we run bubbles and hitches and slants all the time because every team is going to run like you can't protect because every time Clifford tries to step back and throw he's on his back man like come on yeah so I mean, that's fresh. Uh, it's frustrating for me to go to games when people don't know what they're talking about. But, I mean, offensive line's bad. Uh, they have a really good coach. Uh, this is his second year. Um, hopefully he builds something because that's what's holding the program back. Yeah. Um, Got to beat Rutgers. Rutgers is going to get up for you. Beat Rutgers. I still – and I know I'm, I'm a, an insane person, but I truly believe they have a shot to beat Michigan State just because Michigan State's defense is bad. 
It's an interesting matchup for sure. It is because, and I said, uh, I don't know if I said it on the pod or if I just said it in passing talking to people, but I think Penn State matches up better against Michigan State than they did against Michigan just because uh, Michigan State's defense is really bad, and if Penn State can put up points, I I believe they can limit Michigan State's offense. Uh, But again, Kenneth Walker is really freaking good, so we'll we'll have to see, and they have a really good offense as well. So hopefully Penn State can finish 8-4, and and I know that's, I don't know, it just seems like such a deflating year, but eight and four. If eight and four is the worst that your football program is going to be, uh, I don't think it's that bad. The sky isn't falling, at least not yet. Not yet. Not not yet. Um, we're going to go to the SEC. Georgia dominates Tennessee. Thanks for nothing, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, they really screwed me on the under, too. Uh, with that last touchdown, but yep. that's another story. Georgia, I think it's safe to say, is probably going to skate to a national championship this year. I just really don't see anyone uh, on the horizon that can challenge them. Uh, you know, everybody else has looked vulnerable, mm-hmm. and Georgia just continues to be a monstrosity. Uh, credit to Tennessee for even getting 17 points. I mean, obviously that's more than Georgia has given up all year, so. There, there's something for that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's that's it's just a really complete team, and uh, I, I just they go into a, a very very hostile road environment. Just ask Lane Kiffin, and they pretty much just dominated. Yeah, uh, and there's not much else to say about that game. Yeah, and and their their offense is starting to come along. And, I, mean, I know, I know, you know, Tennessee's defense isn't good, really, but. Still, their offense is coming together. Um, here's the thing with Tennessee, where in the second quarter, their high-tempo offense killed them because in the first quarter, starting to work a little bit, but then once Georgia started to settle in and started to basically force, you know, um, force incompletions, now the game gets longer. Yep. And when the game gets longer, that defense that isn't good to begin with is on the field a lot more against an offense that's really starting to come along. So Tennessee, it's going into that game. They had to know this offense is going to either keep us in it or it's going to kill us. And I actually did a little bit of both because that first quarter kept them in it. But then the second quarter, kind of third quarter, that's when it started to kill them because it just, it just elongated the game. Um, But yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess the next thing we had up was uh, Baylor and Oklahoma. Uh, and I tell you what, uh, Oklahoma had been trying to lose games for quite some time this year, and mm-hmm. Baylor was the team that finally took advantage. And, I mean, honestly, Baylor is probably the best team that OU has played so far. Uh, this season, mm-hmm. uh, they'll get Oklahoma State here in a couple weeks, and that'll be another challenging game for the Sooners. Uh, but I mean, Baylor just looked looked great out there. Uh, they ran the ball really well, uh, took what OU was giving them, and uh, OU wasn't able to get anything going on offense. Uh, Caleb Williams had a couple of bad interceptions uh, mm-hmm. that that came back to bite the Sooners and. Uh, I think it was, I mean, from start to finish, Baylor just looked like the better team. Uh, so this was an upset in that Oklahoma was ranked higher, but 
Uh, I think you talk to anybody and, uh, you know, considering how that game went, it's not really a surprise that Baylor was able to pull. Yeah, no no one's really surprised. Uh, They were four and a half, five and a half point. uh, Baylor was four and a half, five and a half point underdogs. I don't think anyone's really surprised by that. I think, did you take money line on weekend winners? Uh, I took the over. Oh, yeah, we all took the cheese. Yeah, we all took the cheese. It looked too easy. That over looked way too easy. Um, we and we all said it. We all acknowledged it. We all said it, and it didn't work out. I think, I think Joe did have Baylor on or uh, Baylor uh, covering. So, yeah. and he uh, he did give a sprinkle alert, I believe. Yeah. Um, Dave Aranda, if you want to get rid of your football coach, I think Dave Aranda is your guy. There is quite a few people in the market. Uh, I think you're going to be LSU. Obviously, he has history there. They may mm-hmm. be interested in him. Uh, you know, Washington's on the market now. I actually think Washington's probably going to go after Satake at BYU. I think that's I a would, great fit I there. I think that's more of a fit. Uh, and then USC, I think, is also maybe targeting Aranda. Uh, I've heard that name floated out there as mm-hmm. well. So, obviously, I'm not a coaching insider by any means, but uh, that's just, I mean, like you said, a lot of people are going to be looking at Aranda. Yeah, um, I, I think Aranda at LSU makes the most sense. Um, like you said, I, I, I don't think I want to go to Washington. If I had a choice between – if I was Aranda, I think I'd rather go to LSU just because you know that program. Yeah. You've been around that program. You know people. You have contacts. And you know you're going to be able to recruit there no matter what. I mean, mm-hmm. LSU winning or losing, they always are in the top ten uh, yeah. recruiting, it seems like. and. I mean, you're you're getting a lot of great athletes out of that state. You're right next to Texas, which is another recruiting hotbed, and you can pretty much uh, build out a team uh, without really having to recruit as much as some other programs may have to. And you don't have anybody to battle in state. Yeah, no, and like, uh, and I know I've said on here that I believe as a coaching spot, I think USC is a better landing spot. But I just think for Aranda. I think LSU is a no-brainer move. LSU is a more challenging conference. I don't think there's any yes. debate about that. Uh, I think LSU is a better job just because of what I've said about the recruiting yeah. and the way the West Coast has just kind of fallen. It seems like all the West Coast kids are coming to the SEC or to the Big mm-hmm. Ten now. Uh, and I know that could turn around if you get the right guy in charge at USC. Mm-hmm. My problem is I, I just think that it's easier to win right now at LSU. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's easier to win now. Um, but no, your recruiting point. Absolutely. And I think you're right though. Like if you get the right guy into USC, um, they'll, I believe he'll be able to keep California kids at USC, keep California kids in California. And if you're able to do that, no one else is really, no one else is really doing that that successfully in the PAC 12. Yep. So if you're able to, you know, get um you know go to the islands and get guys there and get guys in california and all that i think usc recruiting wise just for that in that sense is better because you have no competition but yeah you're right lsu it doesn't matter how bad they are they're always going to have a good and you have a passionate fan base like there's no one going to usc games right now yep it's terrible it's a lot easier to get to a game in death valley for one thing (laughs) what was was that it's a lot easier to get to a game at Death Valley for one thing. Oh, Traffic yeah, in LA absolutely. Is a little bit of yeah. a 
hampering. Uh, yeah, next, we have a little bit of a heartbreak situation. Uh, I tweeted this out on Saturday. Okay. But there is a lot of people who are Auburn and Falcons fans. And oh, right. to have 28-3 be uh, the score whenever Auburn decided to give up 40 unanswered, I mean, that's got to hurt. <laughs> it's really got to hurt. So I'm in the stadium, and I'm seeing it. Like, Auburn's up 28-3. to I'm like, ooh, look at that. That Auburn, that Auburn win's looking better and better each day. Yeah. And then I think, like, maybe the third quarter came around, and then – one of the guys behind me was saying, Mississippi State has scored 40 unanswered. I'm like, what? Yeah. 40 unanswered? Um, So basically what it looked like to me was, one, Auburn stalled. Now, again, I didn't watch this entire game. Okay, I I just watched highlights. I just looked at stats. Um, So, again, if you're an Auburn fan, um, please reach out and tell us what the hell took place. But from what, what I saw, Auburn started – I don't know if they started playing more conservative, and then that led to them, you know, punting the ball, giving Mississippi State more chances. But the thing is, if you give Miss, if you keep giving Mississippi State chances, Will Rogers is going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, Mike Leach's offense will hurt you. So – and that's looked like it happened. Auburn just got out of a rhythm, and Mississippi State just rolled. Yep. Um, this is a and- bad loss for Auburn. But I, I will say, you know, you're six and four right now. You have a game against South Carolina. You got to get back up because South, you, you're going to play South Carolina at night, which I'll be at, by the way. Um, so you got to get up for that game. And then you got the Iron Bowl. So there's no room for, you know, feeling sorry for yourself if you want to get to seven wins and find yourself in a better bowl game. Yeah. And I mean, you look at it and, I mean, Mississippi State's not a terrible loss. Uh, no. You know, that, that's a, it's a program that's – Mike Leach is Mike Leach where he'll beat programs that he shouldn't have any business beating and then lose games that he also shouldn't have any games losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's – you talked about the offense that Mike Leach runs. I mean, if there was a team that was built to come back from a uh, from a huge deficit, it's, it's a Mike Leach offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yep. I think Auburn just got a little bit too conservative and uh, – that's what happens when you play uh, to, to maintain as opposed to, to building on yeah. uh, the lead. But uh, it's, again, I mean, you got to feel for Auburn fans because uh, a, lot, a lot of heartbreak there. But uh, we'll see what happens next week with South Carolina. And you can bet that they'll still be up for the Iron Bowl. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think there's any worries about getting that program up for that. Uh, but then we go from uh, one in-state rivalry talking about to another. Uh, Wake Forest and NC State. Uh, so Wake Forest keeps winning, and now, I mean, they can lose to Clemson and still go to the ACC championship. This was a great football game. Yeah. This was a great back-and-forth football game. Wake Forest um, kind of had the game in control towards the end. They were up by 10. Uh, NC State scored last, uh, you know, a – uh, a late score with like 45 seconds to go, but this was a great football game. Great atmosphere uh, for Wake Forest and the Demon Deacons. Dave Clawson is another coach that is going to be moving up eventually. Um, you know, this, this is Wake Forest's year, the, the year of the Demon Deacon, but, 
and we'll talk about it later, they still have to go against the king of the mountaintop. Yeah. Clemson is still the king of the mountaintop. But the thing is, they can lose to Clemson and still go to the ACC championship. They can. That's right. They, no, if they because they they are they are uh, undefeated in conference right now because that North Carolina oh, game wasn't right. a conference yep. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So Boston College, uh, they still have ahead of them is a very winnable game. Now, I mean, again, I mean, you know, it's you're going up to Boston to play that game, so that's mm-hmm. a little bit worrisome. But uh, I mean, they. They have two games to play with to to make it to the ACC championship. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see them go ahead and uh, knock Clemson down another peg. But uh, it's uh, again. I mean, we talk. We can't talk about Wake Forest without talking about the mesh point on their zone read and how that still continues to frustrate me. Uh, but I mean, the mesh. <laughs> that claw fence, man. <laughs> the claw fence. I love the claw fence. I mean, I don't know. I love Sam Hartman. Um, is he is he a senior? I I'm not sure if he's a senior or not, but I, I think it's pretty certain that he's not going to be sticking around yeah, for another year. He's not going to be there next year. Uh, I mean, listen, I watched that same team just get battered by Wisconsin last year in a bowl game, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, was close in the first half, and then and Wisconsin just like ran away with it. Like I think it was like. 45 to 20 some or whatever. I think they won by like 20. And I was like, oh, you know, was Wake Forest is okay. But it's just crazy because now this year, you know, Wake or sorry, Wisconsin at the beginning of the year, both teams have everybody back. And Wake or in the beginning of the year with Wisconsin, they just kind of like dropped a bunch of like they dropped three games in a row. Wake Forest now is at another trajectory. Now, if they were to play again, I don't know who's better, but it was kind of weird seeing like those two teams in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and now Wisconsin yeah. is probably going to win the West, and you know Wake Forest probably will win the ACC. I just hope they. Now, I, hope I they do. I do think I just, that I just don't want Pitt to win the ACC. I mean, I mean, you look at that Pitt program. I think there's a good chance that that Pitt's able. We could have it. That that's a hell of a game, though. By the way, I mean, you talk about an offensive, oh, offensive matchup, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It's I a mean, Fugazi. It's a Fugazi. It's a Fugazi. <laughs> Listen, they've been eight wins, nine wins for a while. Kenny Pickett's 27, 28, what, however old he is. Um, coming back for his sixth senior year. They're looking good. But listen, Pat Narduzzi is going to screw this up somehow. He almost did it against North Carolina when they're in full control of that game. He'll do it again. Um I'm they not buying. I'm not Virginia. buying that Pitt is. I'm not buying that Pitt is back. I'm Virginia does have a a chance to take the lead in the ACC Coastal this week when they play Pitt. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Pitt. Uh, Pitt thinks they're here. Okay, I I, I said told myself I wasn't going to get into this, but Pitt fans are like thumping their chest, saying, "Hey, look at how look at us, look at us. We're the best team in Pennsylvania. Look at us." You lost to Western Michigan. The ACC is terrible. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> good job on your year. It was a good job. Hey, thanks for beating Clemson. Everybody appreciates that. Yeah, thank you. Good job, guys. But come on, let's let's be for real. It's it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Okay, 
You're you're not you're not back. <sighs> All right, Jay, we're gonna play a little game. Okay, this it's a little bit of this or that. Um, I'm gonna give you two programs. You're gonna tell me what program is in better shape going into next year. Okay. So USC or Florida? Uh, USC because they don't have Dan Mullen as their coach. Oh, so you think so? Now, hang on. This is just not not long term, but just going into next year. You're saying exactly. You okay? So I thought about this. A long term, long term. I think USC is in better shape. But if we're just going by next year. I think Florida is just because they're going to win, you know, seven games. If Dan Mullen's still there, they'll win seven games, maybe eight. He'll get fired. They'll look better on paper than USC, but long-term culturally, I think USC is better. There are cultural issues within the Florida program. And we saw that last year. We're seeing it this year that if this team gets down, they quit. Yep. And I think there's a lot of teams out there, some blue blood programs that um, are very critical of their coaches. Um, I think Jimbo is one. But the thing is with Jimbo is his teams are never like, unprepared like they they'll lose a game to Ole Miss but they're never unprepared like I think Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin are in the same boat boat in the Big Ten that do they do well against top 10 teams no they usually lose them and except for Michigan and Ohio State if Michigan's ever an underdog against someone else they're gonna be in the game or if they're down they're gonna try and fight back Penn State's the same way they get into key situations and then they lose it. If they're down, they're going to fight their ass off to get back in Florida and Dan Mullen. You hit them. You have a couple haymakers. They lay down. Yep. And I think that's cool. Like that's a problem. Like I would take, and I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh guy. I take Jim Harbaugh. And even before this year, they have a good year this year, even before this year, I take Jim Harbaugh over Dan Mullen now in a heartbeat. And I probably wouldn't have done that last year, but 100% I take it because at least Jim Harbaugh's guys, culturally, it's going to be good. It's going to be better. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I mean, USC, I don't know who they're going to get. It it very well might be James Franklin. Um, But Florida Florida has some culture issues, 100%. Um, this next one, Texas or Miami, Texas. Uh, I think Texas is in much better shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is they're still recruiting. Well, mm-hmm. I still think Sark is a better coach than Manny Diaz. Mm-hmm. And I think you also have a, an administration that wants to see the program, uh, succeed more than the pro- the administration does at Miami. Bingo. And you you add all of those things together. Yep. Uh, the fact that Texas, I mean, they're they have a ton of attrition, and they're going to need to hit the transfer portal hard to get some guys in there to to make that program better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
I, I still think that Texas is in better shape uh, for uh, for a program standpoint for next year than Miami is. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Texas, listen, your offense is significantly better. Your offense is better. Your offense is really good. Your defense is bad. Um, and again, so you look at it and you say, okay, what does Texas do well? Texas is going to try and outscore everyone right now. And like you said, they got to hit the portal. They got to try and build that defense to at least complement their offense. Miami doesn't do anything well. Um, Van Dyke, I thought, might be the guy. I don't know. Maybe he might. Defensively, sometimes it's just so hot. Miami is just so hot or cold. Yep. We're like, sometimes you look at it and say, okay, hey, they're getting better. And then they lay an egg against Florida State. Now I understand rivalry game. You're in Tallahassee, but still you should be Florida State. Florida State is in a worse way than Miami is. Um, But again, the big thing that you said, the administration in Texas invests in football. They know how their bread is. They know where their bread is buttered. Miami doesn't want to be looked at as just a football school. They Miami is a great academic institution and they don't want to be looked at as just a football school, probably because a lot of the negative, the negative things that took place when the U was the U. Um, because of that, yeah, I think Texas is in a lot better shape than Miami, one hundred percent. Lastly, I mean, you're the Texas ec- expert. <laughs> the Texas TCU or Texas Tech? Uh, so TCU, and here's why: uh, Texas Tech. Hired made they made a great hire. Uh, Joey McGuire, from a recruiting standpoint, is going to get Texas Tech back in the graces of Texas high school football coaches. Uh, he's going to get some good recruits out there. My thing is that Texas Tech under Matt Wells recruited so poorly mm-hmm. that there's just not anything there for next year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, McGuire is going to have a chance to build that program up, but I, I don't see it happening right away. It's going to be a two or three year project at least. And for that reason, I think TCU next year is in better shape, no matter who they get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have some of those recruits that Gary Patterson had. Uh, I don't know who TCU is going to end up hiring. I mean, I've heard some crazy names, uh, some stuff all over the place. Uh, so we'll see who ends up taking that head coaching spot at TCU. Uh, but I still think that TCU from a program standpoint is in a better shape than Texas Tech. Yeah, you know, like you said with Wells, with his recruiting, I think that's why they got rid of him. I think that's why they were – because at first you look at it, it's like, hey, he has he's like four and four. Like why would you get rid of him at four and four, you know? Um, I think they knew uh, he's not going to probably – he's probably not going to win another game. And on top of that, they just look – they they are – they're – Recruiting just looks terrible. Now, granted, they did knock off, um, they did knock off Iowa State on, on a sixty-two yard field goal at the end of the game. Again, uh, the brand. typical coaches fired, <laughs> coaches fired game. Yeah. Um, but, but that's big because it, it does get Texas Tech to bowl eligibility. Uh, yeah. Gives McGuire another another uh, game to kind of scout his team, see what they look like. Uh, I, I don't know what system McGuire's going to run up there. I mean, he, as a Texas high school football coach, uh, you're probably going to see more of a spread offense uh, just because that's what the program around the state run. But, again, I don't know exactly what McGuire's going to do. Uh, it'll depend on the coordinator hires 
And uh, I mean, again, we, we do know that he's going to recruit better than Wells did, especially in the state of Texas. Uh, and now, I mean, with Texas and OU leaving the Big 12, I mean, Texas Tech has a chance to really make waves in that conference in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's another reason why Tech wanted to make this move when they did. No, abs- no absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I agree. TCU's probably had a better shot next year and probably the year after that just because Texas Tech's more of a, pro- uh, of a project. TCU, you're going to have Gary Patterson guys in there. Gary, and they have a, de- a decent recruiting class. Again, better culture. Just a better culture around TCU, and because of that, TCU's in a little bit of a better shape. Yep. All right. A little bit of review. Not a whole lot of big-time matchups next week. This is, uh, for the most part, uh, SEC Cupcake Week. Um, you know, George is going to play Charleston Southern. Um, A&M has Prairie View. Yeah, A&M has Prairie View. It's, it's the whole thing. So yeah. – Actually, I, th- I might be in the best SEC game. They're probably the best SEC game. You probably are. <laughs> you know, Auburn, South Carolina. Um, so let's take a look at some of these games here. Um, Michigan State, Ohio State. I said bef- uh, before, Michigan State has a terrible defense. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to roll them. I think Ohio State offensively. I don't think Michigan State's going to stop them, like, at all. Um, I'd like the over here, and I like um, Ohio State is a minus 19, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, so the way you feel about Tennessee fans is how I feel about Ohio State fans. Oh, well, uh, hang on. I, oh, I hate them too. I hate them too. Okay. <laughs> Ohio State is probably they are the worst in the Big Ten, and every Big Ten fan, opposing fan, will tell you, Ohio State is the worst. If you go to the shoe, you have grown men like like throwing stuff at you. It's a cesspool. Okay, so yeah, uh, I hate so I, I hate them too. I am definitely rooting for Michigan State, uh, but I, I see this going the same way you said. I mean, I just think that it's a very very poor stylistic matchup uh, for Michigan State. I think you have to have a very good defense uh to have a chance against ohio state yep uh and instead michigan state's gonna have to try to turn this into a shootout and i just don't think they have the horses to keep up with them i love kenneth walker but uh, i mean you're gonna need more than him and yep. i think ohio state's gonna be able to zero in on that shut that down and i mean i think you see ohio state run away with it yeah uh, michigan state does have a good offense but my thing is ohio state is eventually gonna get stops they're eventually going to get stops, and I, like I said, I don't think Ohio State's going to, or I don't think Michigan State's going to be able to stop them. So I really like Ohio State in that matchup. Um, Iowa State and Oklahoma, for me, at the beginning of the year, this was going to be the game to me. I thought this is going to be the Big Twelve. This is going to be who's going to win, David versus Goliath. Big bad Oklahoma. Iowa State is coming in, um, trying to, you know win the big 10 big 12 championship for the first time since 1919 and it's kind of a dud yep. Oklahoma lost last week Iowa State is underachieving um this is supposed to be their year and they're underachieving I don't know on one hand I see Oklahoma getting up for this game and saying we just lost we're gonna take our frustrations out on Iowa State but I can also see Iowa State just staying in this just because, again, 
We talked about culture a lot here. Matt Campbell, even though he's having a bad year, those guys are going to go out there and fight. Yep. So, I don't know. I think this might be a close game. You know, Iowa State, the wheels kind of fell off their wagon. I don't know. I think Oklahoma, though, does bounce back. I think this game is close. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma wins this game right at the end. Yeah, my, my thing is I think Iowa State's more likely to get up for this game than Oklahoma is, and that's why it's going to be a close game. But I, I just think the talent gap at the end of the day is too much for Iowa State to overcome. Uh, like you said, close game, Oklahoma comes out on top. Yeah. Um, we talked about it a little bit already. Wake Forest at Clemson. Clemson's winning this game. Probably. Probably. But game. like I said, Wake Forest doesn't have to win this game to go to the ACC championship. They don't. They tech, They do not. And, I think uh, Clemson wins. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully Dabo trips and falls going down the hill. Uh, I want to sprint out there. I know their offense is bad, but I just think their defense. This is going to be the. Be- I think it's this is going to be the best defense Wake Forest is going to see all year. You know, how's that mesh point going to be when you have defensive linemen who have serious speed coming at you? Um, if DJ Ungalongale can at least escape the pocket and, you know, Wake Forest's defense isn't great, I think Clemson has a shot, and I do think Clemson wins this game. Yeah. The last game we have here, uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin. Nebraska at Wisconsin. It's going to be a sea of red up there at Camp Randall. Uh, I just think Wisconsin's rolling at this point, and Nebraska doesn't really have too much left to play for. Uh, now that bowl eligibility is out of the question, uh, I just see kind of Wisconsin taking over this game early and, and not really giving Nebraska much of a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think those Wisconsin, or I think Nebraska is still going to fight. Um, I just think, like you said, Wisconsin is starting to feel it a little bit offensively. I think they're starting to get it going a little bit. But hey, look for Nebraska to look for Martinez just to try and get things going offensively, maybe put a little bit of more pressure on Wisconsin to score. But I think if Wisconsin gets up, I think this game's over. Because when Wisconsin controls the game, they're just going to keep punching them out. They're going to run that. They're going to run the clock. Yep. All right. So before we get into our top tens, um, we're going to tell you about Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes. When you bet on NFL and college football, here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. And if you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you're there, put in referral code BRAND13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3, to tell them that I sent you. Or BRAND9, B-R-A-N-D-9, to tell them that Jay Arnold sent you. All right, Jay. So uh, we're not going to go back and forth because I don't think our top tens are going to change that much. Um, so what I'm going to do, I will say mine first and then you'll come in. I think the only thing we have is where's Oklahoma. So I will start, um, number 10. I have Michigan still, uh, 
Number nine, Michigan State. Number eight, I have Oklahoma. I have Oklahoma as my eight team. I have them ahead of the Michigans. I know everyone says if you're going to lose, lose early. I like Baylor. I really do. And to be completely honest, you look at Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, Michigan has the loss to Michigan State, which, again, that big comeback at the end. Michigan State loses to Purdue. I value Baylor as a more quality loss. So I have Oklahoma at eight. I have Oklahoma State at seven. Notre Dame at six. Alabama five. Ohio State four. Three, Cincinnati. Two, Oregon. Number one, Georgia Bulldogs. Jay, what do we have? All right. uh, So I, we're going to start off with the difference right off the bat. Uh, I don't have OU in my top 10. Have them out. I do. Okay, so who's uh, in? Uh, so I have Notre Dame at 10. Notre Dame, if you remember last week, was right, left out right. of my top 10. Uh, I still – I'm not high on this program. I just um, – they don't have any signature wins to me. Uh, I mean, it, they looked good against Virginia this past week, but Virginia is not a fantastic football team by any means. Well, the, uh, we the, talked Virginia about didn't – if that if Virginia had Brennan Armstrong, that's a better win. But yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. Uh, so then I have uh, Ole Miss at nine. Oh, uh, I think Ole Miss is. I mean, it's two losses in the SEC. You lose to Bama. You lose to Auburn. The Auburn loss doesn't look great, but I mean, Matt Corral and company were so banged up when they lost mm-hmm. to Auburn. Uh, and I, I look at that, and I, I think that Ole Miss is just a better team. Uh, than the teams outside of the top 10 right now, including OU. Okay. Uh, I have Oklahoma State at eight, okay. uh, Michigan at seven, uh-huh. Michigan State at six. Uh, then I have Alabama at five, uh-huh. Ohio State four. Uh, I have Oregon at three, Cincinnati Cincy two. at two. Cincy at two, and Georgia at one. I mean, two and two and three really don't matter. Right. But okay. So no Oklahoma, no Oklahoma. So just so why why no uh, Oklahoma? My thing is the lack of a signature win, uh, and you look at, I mean OU has played everybody close. Can we really trust them to finish off the year without another loss? Mm-hmm. So I am looking ahead in that in that respect. Uh, you, you know you have close games with Kansas. You have close games with a a two lane team that is struggling in the AAC. I mean yeah. Uh, you, you look at their their blowout wins, and it's I think Texas Tech is the only team that they've really just dominated from start to finish. Uh, so my my thing with OU is uh, now that they have a loss on their resume, and you'll remember I had OU too last week, uh, but now that they have a loss on that resume, I just I can't look at them and say this is definitely a top ten team. And I think they're right outside. I mean, I have them at eleven, uh, right. I think right behind Notre Dame, uh, but it's the same problem Notre Dame has, but Notre Dame's loss, I think, uh, is arguably better uh, with Cincinnati being my number two team. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, they, I mean, I, I know, you know, sustaining in the Big 12, Oklahoma State, their losses to Iowa State, um, they do have a win against, they did beat Baylor. Um, and again, Iowa State isn't terrible. No. 
Like they're not bad. They 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 just it's just not bouncing their way this year. But you know, Oklahoma State really. I mean, besides Baylor, I mean they haven't really played anybody. I mean, the Big Twelve is very. I think the Baylor win is undoubtedly better than anything that OU has. Yeah. And I think that OU can easily get back in with a couple wins over Iowa State and Oklahoma State. I mean, they 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 win those two games in the Big 12 championship. They're right back in the top 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, But my thing is, until we see them beat uh, a team like an Oklahoma State, I I just – I can't give them the credit. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. So Oklahoma, like, so like you said, that they don't have a signature, really have a signature win. The best team they played is Baylor, and they lost. Um, but they can still, if they beat Iowa State and Oklahoma State, hey, those are two good wins for your program. And now, like you said, that put that propels them right back into it. I do think that loss keeps the Big Twelve out of the playoff, though. Uh, I don't see the Big Twelve making it into the playoff now that OU uh, doesn't have a win. I mean, there's a lot of football left. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you see uh, Cincinnati take a loss, they're probably falling out of the top ten just because of the the lack of the strength of schedule. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's hanging around right there too. I think the committee is desperate to put Notre Dame in. Mm-hmm. They love having them in the playoff. Uh, it's just, I mean, with two weeks left, it, it's weird to say this, but there are still plenty of things that can happen. I just don't think the Big Twelve gets in. Now, um, how things are shaking up, it probably not. My whole thing is I, I don't want a I don't want a two loss Alabama in there. No. I don't want but, a two loss Alabama in there. And I think they're setting up for Alabama to beat Georgia so they can get two two SEC teams in there. And then who's gonna get screwed? Yeah, I mean Cincy. Cincy's hundred percent. hundred percent. Because if if Alabama beats Georgia you're going to have probably Alabama number one, Ohio State two or three, mm-hmm. or probably three. Uh, Ohio State three. Actually, no. Ohio State would probably slide to, to four because they wouldn't want to rematch Alabama and Georgia in the first yeah, round. Yeah, they would. So yeah, you'd have right. Oregon, Georgia. Yep. And then Alabama, Ohio State. Like Cincinnati, who do they have? If they have SMU. SMU, which. That's going to be tough. It's in Cincy. And then, and then probably East, Houston in the championship. East Carolina and they're probably Houston. They could lose to Houston. Yeah. Have they played? They didn't play Houston. No, they haven't played Houston this year. Nope. And- Dana. Can Dana. Can Dana do it? That I mean, that SMU and Houston are two teams that could absolutely give uh, Cincinnati a run for them. I, I think they're the biggest test they have. Yeah. Uh, and again, this kind of depends on uh, how the last few games of the season shake out here. I'm going to have to look at this just to double check. Uh, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, let's see here. Yeah. So Houston is undefeated. I mean, it's probably going to be Houston in the championship unless Houston yeah. loses their next two. Uh, so that could be interesting. No, it, it could. Um, all right, but before we go, I just got a text that I'm going to share with you, Jay. Um, I just got a text from my friend AP, who's who will be listening to this. So it's like I'm talking to AP through the through the podcast verse and also via text. 
So he's a, he's a Michigan State fan. Okay. He's so he's like our dear leader Joe. Um and he says, I got to ask, is Michigan for real? Seems like a lot of analysts like them this year. They won't beat OSU, right? So here's my thing. Do I think Michigan is for real? I think all depends on what you what you believe for real is. Do I think Michigan is a playoff team? Absolutely not. They're not. They're not a playoff team. Are they good? Are they a top 10 worthy? This year, yeah. Just because I feel like there's a lot of teams that have weaknesses everywhere. Um, I think that Michigan's defense is for real. I think their offense is average, maybe a little above average. But their offense doesn't have to be electric because their defense is so good. Um, honestly, I'm not, I don't think they beat Ohio State just because Ohio State will be able to move the ball on Michigan offensively – or sorry, offensively. And because Ohio State's going to have that speed. They're going to have speed. They're going to have guides up front that are going to match Michigan. In the Big Ten, it's no secret that there aren't a lot of great offenses in the Big Ten. Michigan's going to see a really good one. If you thought Michigan State had a good offense, you ain't seen nothing yet. So I do think Ohio State beats Michigan because of that matchup and because they're – Ohio State's off, or sorry, Ohio State's defense has shown weaknesses, but I mean, I think Michigan might score 24 on Ohio State, but Ohio State scored in 38 40. I think this is the best chance that Michigan has had in a while to beat Ohio State, oh, but true. I don't yeah. think they do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the last time they had a shot this big was 2016, where Ohio State won and basically ruined Michigan's chances of going to the Big Ten Championship. Uh, that got Penn State in, so I'm thankful. But this is the best This is the best since 2016. So this is the best chance they've had in five years. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, AP, is Michigan for real? I mean, I they deserve They're a their very top good 10. team. They, they deserve their top 10 rating. They deserve to be in a New Year's 6 bowl game. They do deserve that. But they are not a playoff team and I do think Ohio State beats them by at least 17. I think 17 is even generous. Jay, wait, so if you had a score Ohio State Michigan, what do you think? I think it's Gonna be like 3524. Ooh, I think it's actually a close game. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just because you think Michigan's you think Ohio State's offense hasn't seen a defense like Michigan. I a hundred percent believe that. I don't think they've seen a a defense this talented since they played Oregon. Uh and then you look at the rivalry aspect, and I mean Michigan at some point is due for one of these. Like you have, you have to believe. Like in a, in a game where things have gone Ohio State's way for so long now, you have to believe that Michigan is getting close to due on this. And I think they'll be up for that game. And uh, with that in mind, I mean, there's no way they don't hang around. 
Hang on. I want to see something here really quick. Michigan. The I want to see Michigan and Ohio stay here the last 20 years. Let's see. Um, okay. So the last time Michigan beat Ohio State was in 2011. Oh, that's right. Ohio State had a down year in 2011. That's when like the whole tattoos thing happened. And they lost like a couple scholarships, and they had a uh, they had a bad year. Um, so oh three was the was the second time Michigan. So man, in the in twenty years, since, Michigan has beaten Ohio State twice since the first Halo Combat Evolved game came out. You have to say that. Michigan has beaten out. Ohio State twice. This is the anniversary. Come on. Had to get that in. Man. And it's this year it's Is it in is it in Columbus this year? Uh it is in Ann Arbor this year. Oh, so to be fair, they, they didn't State play in 2020. So because they didn't play so they're keeping the schedule. Yep. Okay. Man. Well, good luck. <laughs> there was All a lot right. of talk here that Ohio State didn't want to play Michigan because Michigan would have had a chance to ruin their uh, college football playoff hopes. Obviously, sure. that's not true. But sure, sure. <laughs> Grow up, Peter Pan. All right. So that is all from today. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, have a great week.